there are uh, concepts. In Hebrew, the word for concepts is, huh? Concepts? Inyanim. Inyanim. Okay, good. Inyanim concepts. That it's not just a word, it's a concept. It has a certain meaning, but to explain it is not easy. So I grew up in a community where there was different concepts, different words. We're going to focus on one of them today. Uh, the word in Yiddish is Edelkeit. Edelkeit. In Hebrew, you would say Adinut. In English, I haven't heard a word for that yet. In English, they don't have that. In America, they don't, they don't produce that. Um, maybe the word refined is the closest I could get to refined. But, but the concept of Edelkeit, refinement, Adinut, it means something. And it's something which is very important, not just to know the word, but it's important in our lives. And we're going to talk about it today. Edelkeit, Adinut. Yesterday, someone approached me, someone that's dealing with the Shidduch for, for <laughs> one of their children. So... Uh, he was consulting with me, so I asked him, the boy you're referring to, is he Edel? So the guy knew exactly what I mean, uh, because he grew up from the same community. You know, the word Edel, we all know what that means, Edel kind. So I asked, is the boy Edel? He says, I have to look more into that, I'm not sure. We checked up other things, this is not. I told him, Edel kind is very important. Very important. When it comes to Shiduchim, when it comes to so many things, Edelkeit is important. Refinement. The opposite of Edelkeit, of refinement, the opposite, for that there are plenty of words in English. To find the opposite is not a problem. In Yiddish you would say Grobkeit. The opposite of Edelkeit is Grobkeit. In English you would say coarseness. Coarseness. Okay, so the concept of Edelkeit is very encompassing. It encompasses so much, and there's so many details about it, but it's all part of a big picture of, of Edelkeit. So let's just start with, uh, with, with a simple example of Edelkeit. Uh, you're learning with the Chavuza, or you're having a discussion. Jews don't have discussions, they have debates and arguments, okay? <laughs> you're having an argument, you're learning something, you're debating, and, and you totally disagree with, with the other opinion, obviously. So there's different ways of expressing that. One way is, I never heard something was stupid like that. I mean, that's really crazy what you're saying. That's one way of saying it. The other way of saying it is, I disagree with what you're saying, and I'll tell you why. I mean, either way you say it, it's the same message. You disagree. But you could say that in an edel way, in a refined way. You could say it in a global way, in a coarse way. 
Now, this concept of Edelkeit, again, refinement or some other word in English, I'm not sure what the word is, I do not. You have that in so many areas in life, in Maisa, Dipo, Machshav, in action, speech, and even in Machshava, in action, in Maisa. An example of, of Grubkeit, coarseness, you could see it sometimes in the kitchen, in the dining room. That's where you could see, you know, you could see this concept. Now, the, the person is eating his fourth ice cream already. He can't stop eating ice cream, the fourth portion. I mean, the guy has to eat five pieces of steak. That's a certain degree of coarseness, of a Grubkeit. Uh, and then just, that's an example of eating, just walking. You have two people that are walking. One person walks in a way that everyone has to notice that he walks, that he's walking. It's like he makes sure that, that his walking is known. And the other person walks, you could tell he's able, you could tell he's refined, he doesn't need anyone to look at him. Then there's clothing. There's clothing. You know, there's edelic clothing, there's refined, and there's the opposite. What does that mean? Like, basically, it means sometimes you wear clothing because it's cold outside, so you have to wear clothing. But then there's another way of wearing clothing that everyone has to notice my clothes. I got the latest style, and everyone has to notice me. That's grub, that's fagreb, that, that's coarse. And this is, this is true in everything. Music. Music. Music you have. Grubber music. Very coarse, animalistic music. Disgusting music. Then you have music which is refined. It's refined. It's something more and more able. You can have songs. Songs which, which are low, coarse, and you can have... We find music, we find singing, we find... Nigunim is an example, Nigunim. Chesedesh Nigunim. It's refined. That's what's unique about, about Nigunim. It's, it's a refined thing. And back, I don't know, I think it was in the 50s. Maybe in the 60s, I think it was probably in the 50s, I don't know. So Lubavitch was giving out songs in a, uh, this was before tape recorders. This was when they had those round things. What's that called? Record yeah. players. Record players, okay, yeah. They had those things. So Lubavitch gave out like songs, you know, songs, Nigunim. So they, they had to take those, those Nigunim and uh, they were going to write it up, you know, writing up the music, writing the music. So they got the professional, you know, a real top professional that knows how to write music, that he should write it. And he made a comment. He said that some of these nigunim, there's no way I could put it in writing. It's just way too idle. I don't think he used that word. It's way too refined. You can't put in the notes. The notes won't capture the idle kind, the refinement of the music. Likewise, what the person looks at. You know, art. There's different types of art. There's for graft art and there's more edel art. Different types of pictures. Nowadays, it's so important. People are watching all types of stuff. 
Look, what kind of stuff is a person looking for, trying to see? Sometimes it's very corrupt, it's very coarse. Sometimes you're not looking for coarse things, you're looking for other things, more refined things. Now let me tell you some symptoms of someone that's adol. Some symptoms. I think in English, if I want to say adol, the closest I could say to, to capture what it is, is if I would say, not stuck in yourself. I think that's the best description I could give for it, for Edelkeit. You're not stuck in yourself. Or you're not stuck into your desires, into your lust. You're not stuck in that. I think that's the best description of Edelkeit. You're not stuck into yourself. There are people that excel in being stuck in themselves. They're clubs. They're really into themselves. And, and into themselves, into their desires. There are some people that are, they're not into themselves. One of the symptoms of this is sensitivity to others. It's a symptom of Edelkeit, or the opposite. How sensitive are you to others, to the feelings of other people? People that are Edel, they will go out of their way not to... Not, not to cause someone else to, 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 to have pain. And, and you go out of your way to make other people happy and to accommodate other people. Accommodation, that's uh, sensitivity to others, accommodation for others, and flexibility. These are all symptoms of Edelkeit. You're not stuck to yourself. You could sense someone else. Like one of the opposites of Edelkeit is, is cruelty. That's like the other extreme, cruelty, where you couldn't care less about other people, harming other people or causing them. Edelkeit is the opposite. You're very sensitive to other people. You care about other people. Another symptom of uh, Edelkeit is... Uh, it's hard to say such words because in America it doesn't, doesn't sound good. I'll say the word anyway, okay? It sounds very strange nowadays. There's something called embarrassment. You're, you're embarrassed. For certain, you're embarrassed. Blushing, your face. Like bashful. Bashful, right? Bashful, right? Right? The Gemara says one of the signs of a yid is that they're bashful. <laughs> they're bashful. Nowadays, it doesn't sound good. That sounds like so... What kind of person are you? Yeah, but that's a trait of the Edelkeit, bashful. One of the things of what that means is that... Let me just give you this example. Speaking in front of someone that's smarter than you, older than you, more respectable than you. You're speaking to someone, a father and a son. You're asking a question. So when there's Edelkeit, who's going who's gonna to give the answer? The son is going to wait for the father to talk. That's, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Besides the fact that that's a, it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. One of the Ten Commandments is honoring your parents. And this includes, this is one of the examples. But I'm just being honest, as far as that, being refined, Edel. 
Like, why, why are you jumping in and speaking in front of your father? Why are you doing that? And other such examples, you know, of, of uh, in front of a rabbi, as well as some that's older. Well, why are you speaking in front of them? There's something called like respect. I want to give this example. <laughs> An example which uh, I'll demonstrate the example. Imagine the following scene, and it, and, it, and it happens every day, okay? There are many doors in the building. I open the door to go out, okay? There's not too much space. The guy on the opposite rushes in. Look how much space there. I open the door, you know, the guy rushes in. I, I happen not to open the door for the other guy. I open it for myself. <laughs> but that guy rushes in. And, and the one that rushes, and it happens every day. And, and it's so amazing, like the guy doesn't even realize that, like, well, what are you doing? You know, when there's Edelkeit, you don't do such a thing. But nowadays, people don't understand too much about that. You know, it's like, <laughs> it used to be a common thing that, you know, you open the door for someone that's older, more respectful, it's like a common thing. Nowadays, it's mostly out of style. And I see the, the, the kids in the chait or the kids in the school there. So I don't, I, I don't know statistics, but there's like one out of 10, one of 20 that you could see the Edelkeit. They see someone older, they'll open the, they'll actually open the door. One out of 10, I mean, I'm just throwing a number. I don't know the statistics, but. Well, I'll get, while we're in these examples, I'll give you another example. In the dining, in the kitchen, Downstairs. Uh, 30 years ago, about 30 years ago, uh, I happened to look younger than I look now. <laughs> okay. So uh, it was almost hard to tell you between me and Abach, almost. So uh, I went downstairs, you know, there's lunchtime, whatever it is. I'm talking about not to the Bachem of Timchitmim. You know, they would see me. They didn't know, you know. Right away, you know, go in front of me. That was like like, a, like instinctive, to go in front of me. It was like push it. That wasn't like a big deal. 30 years later, I look a little bit older, you know. Now, there's a line. Most people are not going to move away. Not that it bothers me. Not that it bothers me. But this is just an example of a deterioration in this whole concept of, of Edelkeit. <coughs> and, and, it's, and, and for many, it's not that you know about it and you know you, you mean bad. No, no one means bad over here, but you just don't even notice it. It's, like, it's not part of our society. It's like there's a deterioration. Another symptom of Edelkeit is uh, patience. Patience. You know, someone is uh, talking to you. Someone wants to express an opinion. So some people are very impatient. You know, like interrupting and I don't want to hear you and whatever. Some people are like, let me hear what you have to say. No patience. And, and that's, su that's such a bracha, such a blessing to have patience. It's so important in everything. In shalom bias. When you get married and other things. But someone that's a dog, there's more chance they're ready to listen to someone else. Hear someone else's opinion. As opposed to 
the way I say it, that's the way it is. Just a couple minutes ago, I got a call from uh, a different country. Someone that once learned here, his wife called me up. A problem about chinuch, about uh, education of children. So she tells me that uh, I went to school because they kicked out the child and I went to speak to the principal at a meeting with them. And they explained me, you know, whatever my child was doing wrong. I come back home. And uh, my husband, I tell my husband, he says, he doesn't want to hear. It's the school's fault. The school's fault. He doesn't want to hear. So she says, what should I do? What am I supposed to do? My husband said to, to me, she tells me, that, that, you know, call me up, but I should, you know, I should straighten her out. I, I think you're right. It's good you want to speak, you know. You know, so, so tell your husband, you have to consult with someone else. What do you do when you have two opinions? Consult with someone else. No, he's convinced he's right. I mean, that's like the, the extreme. That's the epitome of, of the opposite of Edelkeit. When a person is stuck into themselves, the way I see it, that's the way it is. How do you know? And even if you're right, why don't you hear the other opinion? Why don't you discuss it? Then there's the concept of having an idol upon him, a refined face, an idol upon him. There's a famous story from the Friedrich Rebbe and Rebbe Rashab. It's a very famous story that in Lubavitch, back in Russia, Lubavitch, going back more than 100 years ago, so there were many students that wanted to get, to get accepted in the yeshiva but there wasn't enough space for everyone. So they ended up rejecting most applicants. They took students who they felt were, were sincere. So there was this one uh, Bachel who was uh, extremely intelligent, very knowledgeable in Torah. So when you came to the school, you had to get tested. So he, t- he, he was tested and he passed with flying colors that he was a genius and he knew a lot. But whenever they accepted a new student, they had like a secret committee from Van Holler, from the staff of the school, where they would not just look at the person's uh, scholastic ability, they would try to figure out the midos of the person, the personality. And they noticed that this guy is grub. Grub is the opposite of Edelkeit. He's coarse, he's grub. And his face was grub. It was, you could see it in the face, the guy was grub. So uh, the, the Friedrich Rebbe was in charge of the yeshiva when his father was alive, the Rebbe Rashab. So the Friedrich Rebbe would always report to his father all the new applicants, all the new students, and the Rebbe Rashab wanted to know about each individual student, each individual student. So the Friedrich Rebbe told his father that there was this student that uh, that uh, he passed with fine colors, were accepting him, but the Rebbe Rashab started questioning, you know, tell me more about him. They said, yeah, we found out that he's a little bit good. Tell me more about him. So the Rebbe Shab spent time thinking about it and he said, we have to accept him, but we have a lot of work to do with him. 
So the Vidika told, this was before Pesach, this was months before Pesach, when they're baking the matzahs. The Rebbe told the Friedrich Rebbe, when they bake matzahs, make sure that this uh, bachel should uh, get the most difficult jobs when it comes to baking matzahs. So the Friedrich Rebbe did that. You know, when you bake matzahs, you have to clean up and you have to grind. There's a lot of work to do. So they gave this bachel like the most difficult jobs, we had to work hours and hours. They didn't get, they didn't let him rest. I mean, they really gave him a lot of heavy work. And then it got closer to Pesach, you know, when it's mamish cleaning and everything, they kept on giving him more and more work. Then it's mamish out of Pesach. And, and this book was like one of the boys in charge of like cleaning up and serving. So the Friedrich calls him up, calls him over like, a, I don't know, the day before Pesach, he says, Pesach morning, uh, six o'clock in the morning, I don't remember the exact time. I want, you should come to, to me. I want you to learn this maimo. You should know it, and we're going to learn it together. He said to the Bacher. He said to the Bacher. This is after the Seder, the next morning. And this Bacher is going to go to sleep late, because he has to clean up. He'll hardly have time to learn, right? I want to see you tomorrow, you know, uh, the, you know, Pesach morning, whatever it is, seven, eight, the smaimo, kishesh is yomim, we're going to learn the smaimo. I want you to know it. He came uh, the next morning and he knew the smaimo, learned it. Later on, the Rebbe Rashab, you know, saw this bachel and the Rebbe Rashab said, he changed completely. He now has an edel upon him, a refined face. And what did it? It was the zeyosh mitzvah, the sweat of a mitzvah. Working in the mitzvah of, of, of Pesach, not just working, exerting yourself and sweating it out with Kabbalah Zayn. He followed instructions punctually with Kabbalah Zayn. The Bashab said he's a different person. This person ended up being a big rav. Recently, they printed Svon from him, a safer from him. I think last year, two years ago. Uh, he has uh, grandchildren that are shluchim. And uh, so he ended up being one of the big chassidim. He went to Mesir Snefesh and Rosh. He was one of the big chassidim. But he started out with being grub. And he was a scholar. He was a scholar. But he was grub. Grub, I don't mean grub in a grub way. <laughs> I don't mean grub way said before, you know, you're disgusting and you're this. Not in such a way. But basically, something like he was full of himself. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't hurt anyone. I'm sure he wouldn't hurt anyone's feelings. Not that type. But he, was, he wasn't himself. And this experience made him Edel. So if the question would be, is Edel kite something you're born with or is it something that you acquire? Which one is it? It's probably a mixture of both. Some people are born more edel. And some are born not so edel, for whatever reason. But even if, even if you're not edel to begin with, could you acquire the traits of edelkeit? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And, and how do you do that? How do you get edelkeit? So the first step is to know that there's such a thing called edelkeit. Just being aware of that. Once you're aware of that and you want it, so 
half the job is done already. Then there's uh, other ways of enhancing the Edelkeit. And one of the best ways is making a cheshben nefesh Cheshben nefesh means that you go over your day, you go over your week, and you ask yourself some honest questions. You ask yourself, uh, <coughs> with how many people did I interact today, more or less? How many of those interactions were positive? How many were negative? Could it be that I embarrassed someone? Could it be that I made someone feel bad? Is there a chance I could have helped someone else out? You make a cheshben and nefesh and you evaluate how were you doing? Between a person and that. And, and in other matters, you evaluate yourself. You ask yourself questions about your eating habits and other things. You ask yourself questions. And then there's something called, this is like, it takes Edelkeit to recognize this, that there are people that are smarter than me, there are people that are kinder than me, that have better meters than me. And it's good, it's good to be jealous. That's kosher jealousy. Jealousy, kosher jealousy is important. It's important to sniff around, you know, and, and, and see other people and recognize, you know, I'm, number one, I'm not the smartest person in the world. That's like the most grub thing. The most coarse thing is, I'm the smartest in the world. And there are people that really believe that. I don't mean smartest in IQ necessarily, but my opinions are, are, are for sure. I'm 100% right. No, there are other people that, that are probably smarter than you. And, and, and maybe you can learn from them. And likewise, when it comes to midas, to personality, to character traits, the chances are, if a person is honest, no, I'm not the nicest person. There must be other nicer people than me. Let me look around. Maybe I should emulate them. Maybe I should learn from them. That's one of the important activities of, of enhancing Edelkeit. Now, there's also Edelkeit in Seichel in understanding, which is not the same as, as, how, as how deep you understand. There's something called an Edelkeit in understanding. Two people could understand the same thing, but one gets the Edelkeit of it, the refined part of it, like the Ruchnis of it. And the other guy could get more the, the Hakshama, the, 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 the superficial parts of it. You know, it's like the famous thing that uh, Gomorrah says that there was a bird on top of a tzaddik, put on top of a tzaddik and it expired because of somehow the holiness of a tzaddik. Into flames. Flames, yeah. Okay, right, right. So there's two types of reactions. One reaction, look at the tzaddik, such a tzaddik. His holiness goes up. Then there's another reaction, oh, does he have to pay money to the owner of the bird? <laughs> They're both reacting to it, but you could react in a more way, or in a different way. Now, if I generalize, and I'm really generalizing now, Niklan Chsidis, Chsidis is a more Eidolo uh, intellectual endeavor. Chsidis is, is by nature more Eidol. You have Eidol kind of course, in Niklan also, in learning Gemara, of course you have that. 
But, but if I generalize the Dimtim Nikla Chsidis, Chsidis to begin with is speaking about Eidolin Yonim, refining Yonim. And you see like this, you see something interesting. You see some people that they don't like Chsidis. Why? Because when you speak, when you learn Nikola, you're learning about tangible items an axe, you know, a, a match. A fire, you're learning about tangible items. So you relate to it. When you learn about chassidus, what are you learning about? You're learning about oirim tzayif, atzilus, about neshama, etzim neshama. I mean, these are things you don't see. These are things you don't feel. These are realities that are above us. So how do you relate to that? So some people get a kick out of that. They love that. They love getting into this what they would call mystical things, spiritual things. They just love it. Some people can't stand it. If it's tangible, talk to me. But if it's abstract, don't talk to me. So it does take an edel kind to, to... So let me just end off with what I heard from uh, Rabbi Shapiro in Miami. You know, Rabbi Shapiro upstairs, his father, Shashiv in Miami. So he told us once uh, that he heard from, from different Rosh Hashivas. In Miami, we used to have uh, in the winter different Rosh Hashivas and G'daylum coming to Miami for the winter. So very often they would stop off an hour yeshiva, Babat Yeshiva in, uh, in Miami. So anyway, some of the Hashivas said that they noticed something interesting. That, you know, they teach Gemara, deep things in Gemara. They saw that those that learn Chassidus, there are many Svaros which are Eidol, and they find those that learn Chassidus, they were able to understand the Eidol kind of it more than those that don't learn Chassidus. This is what I've heard from, you know, not Lubavitcher Hashivas, you know. There's a certain Eidol kind. And that's one of the, the real ways of getting Eidol kind. It's by learning chassidus and kochen zechen chassidus. And then using that and davening. That ables up the person a lot. It changes the person so much. And Hashem should give all of us edelkeit. And uh, by the way, assertiveness is not a contradiction to edelkeit. Not at all. We should all have edelkeit. And, and this will be exposed completely when the Shia comes, when the whole world will be filled with the edelkeit of Hashem.